Is that stuck in your? Has that been stuck in your head for the past couple of weeks? Yeah, I keep using it as like a buffer between things I do in my normal life. <laughs> <laughs> so when when you're shopping for lunch, you go two in the autumn. <laughs> Pretty much, like when my when my when my kettle stops boiling. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's some hook. It really is. It's just stuck in my head. I can't get it out. Anyway, welcome to episode three of two in the Otters, and that's with me david b lines and me robert enright and uh on today's show um we're going to be deep diving into our writing process and uh discussing the routes we take uh, to get our books from an idea to being published and available to buy for our readers um and we'll also be tackling a very interesting question uh from one of our listeners in our mailbag david Oh, looking forward to that. Okay. And uh, last, certainly not least, it's your favourite part of the show and mine, the uh, the seven questions. Um, and we're going to be joined on the podcast today by best-selling author A.P. Bateman, um, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to A.P. That'll be great. Yes. So um, anyway, Monsieur David, how's your week uh-huh. been? Um, good, yeah. I am at the very, very tail end of my next novel. I have about 7,000 words to go. I have a chapter and a half to go. So I am making my way, well, I'm dragging my way towards the conclusion, to be honest, ready for release on December 9th. So I'm hoping, essentially, to have my manuscript redrafted as many times as possible before November the 9th, Mm. which will then give uh, me a full month of the editing process. So yeah, I've just really spent the last week getting towards the conclusion of my book. I don't have an update, unfortunately, in case listeners are interested in how the production company or my relationship with the production company is getting on for one of my books, which I mentioned last week. I've had no word over the past seven days. Um, so I don't have an update on that for you, unfortunately, hopefully next week. The problem with production companies is, or producers, they're, they're at any level of the process at any one time. So they could be starting a new idea. They could be out on a shoot. They could be um, in redrafting. So yeah, it, it can be a slow and painful process. And all my excitement of last week is sort of being eroded by no, no words this week. But <laughs> I've... Um, I've had a good disciplined week in terms of my writing. So I'm, I'm, I'm on course now, just at the very tail end of my book. Um, what about you? Your book is in with the editor already, right? Yeah, for nearly a couple of weeks now. So i um, still got a few weeks uh, there with the editor. Um, she will rip it to shreds, hopefully, um, and then help yes. me put it back together to make a coherent novel. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's week three now. Um, so still trying to find a little bit of a rhythm. I finished my all singing, all dancing spreadsheet um, <clears throat> that tracks oh, all nice. sales and profit and costs and all that because I'm a massive nerd. Um, but it's quite, <laughs> it's, it's going to open up some interesting um, 
like uh, pathways for me because now I can analyze like raising ad spend in conjunction to sales and read through and things like that. All these buzzwords that people probably hear quite a lot. Um, I actually now have a spreadsheet that I can do that with. So um, that should be good. Um, Non-nerdy stuff. Um, I've got a few. I got a book bub deal accepted this oh, week. Oh, interesting. Unfortunately, it's not a, a US one. Um, right. So for any listeners who have heard of BookBub and haven't been through the process, there is a, a marketing website where they have like a, millions of people on a mailing list and they send out a mailing, uh, an email every day with discounted books. And it costs a fair bit of money to get your name on one of those emails. Um, and they do it to certain countries. So they US, US, UK, Australia, and a few, I think Canada, maybe India. Yes. Yes. So what, what have you, what, what deal have you got? I've got, I think everything except the US, which is yeah. par for the course, really. That's the one that costs the most money is the US one. However, every time yeah. I've had one um, without US, I've always at least made my money back. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, they are good because it, it will get it will get thousands of eyes on your books. Exactly, exactly that. Um, and you know, as we've spoke about before, writing in a series, if I get thousands of people to the discounted first book, I then hopefully drag them in enough that they then go through uh, the rest of yeah. the rest of it. So I got that. I got um, I got another Kindle deal, which is good. Oh, yeah, um, I'm on at the moment. So I've got a week one. So I've had the day one last month, which was really good. Now I've got a week one in the US and in Canada. So I'm excited for that. Oh, no. When's that coming up? So they are, I think, the last week in November. So actually leading up to right. the launch of my next book. So I'm yeah, going to put the nice link book. in the back of it. So um, that's good. And the only other real highlight this week is I've uploaded paperback versions of my novellas um because there's been a request for it from quite a few people and i've also right. had them done as audiobooks so i'm just nice. i've uploaded them <clears throat> onto audible but um i'm just waiting for them to sign off on them but yeah so oh, tick, tick to fair productive. Few things. yeah productive week um but yeah that's me yeah and uh, aside from that we've been um of course in the midst of launching this podcast, which has taken up some of our time over the past week or so, uh, we're really enjoying it. And thank you so much to all those who have, have listened and giving us some feedback so far. We're very grateful. Uh, people seem to be liking it. They do. They do, which is obviously that's a good thing. <laughs> it would be rubbish if yes. people hated it. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty rubbish. Um, I will say this for anyone who's listening on Apple, please just appreciate the effort that I had to go through. <laughs> I, I'm not an Apple guy. Um, I don't know if you are, David. Um, so I don't have any, you know, I, I don't go through all of that stuff. And to right. use, so we, we do this through Acast, which is a, um, a massive podcast platform. I would have assumed the process of getting this podcast just onto Apple Podcasts would be really simple. It wasn't. And, uh, I think I swore quite a lot at my screen <laughs> trying to get it to and, work. And is that going to be a headache every no. week or just the first time you did it? No, it was just to connect um, like the profile okay. to like the feed and all this stuff. It just, 
Right. Yeah, it's just it wasn't fun. But it's done now, That's and fun. that means um, all of our Apple listeners will be greeted with a new podcast once a week where they get to hear your lovely voice and my yes. adequate voice. The dulcet tones of us two, <laughs> huh? Uh, it could be worse. It could be worse. Yeah, but yeah, a productive week, I guess, for you, Robert. Productive week for me. It, 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 uh, since we started this podcast, my week that was um, tends to be a hundred percent writing but it, it it's just because i'm at the tail end of that book mm. that that's where i'm at at the moment but it's normally more diverse than that so um as this podcast goes on we'll be able to give you a bit more detail of our day-to-day or what it's like to be a full-time in the author so I, I i enjoy actually giving weekly updates yeah i think it's good and like i said it's a good dichotomy at the moment because you're just writing solidly yeah but because i kind of came into this just finished my book Mm-hmm. I'm now dealing with all the other stuff, and it um, yes, you know, it gives a bit of a, a good insight into just how many plates we're spinning constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But enjoying. Oh yeah, always enjoying. I wouldn't have it any other way. Me neither. Two in the right. So, David, I said earlier uh, we were going to talk about how we write our books. Um, and go through that process so uh, let's start right at the beginning so how do you start a new book um yes so yeah so this is the main talking point today our our writing process so I guess the answer to that is that I always start the idea the idea the first thing that comes to me is the end twist so I'm always trying to think of end twists Mm. that will sort of um excite me that I would like to read and that's that's my beginning point is always the end twist so I, I will take note of that twist and then I will start to draw a, a light plot line that will lead up to that twist and then I'll start creating characters that will fit into that plot line so I think I've said on this podcast before I've certainly said it to you Robert that the the most exciting part of the writing process for me is that part, the plotting it out, the real creative of creating these characters, creating this plot and building up towards this end twist. So that process will probably take about a month for me for it all to fall out of my head and onto a Scrivener document. Um, And from there, at some point, I will go, okay, I'm going to roll up my sleeves. Here comes chapter number one. And I will start chapter number one until I get, I, I'm, I normally write about 10 chapters of about maybe 8,000 words each. Oh, wow. But I, I, I write in first person, so, um, multi point of view. So it's, they're split. It's not 8,000 solid words. It's, it's normally um, a couple of thousand from four different characters. Yeah. Fitting into one. So. Yeah, I have all those characters, sort of arcs, plotted out, and uh, all leading up to that end twist. And then at one point, when I start chapter number one, I tend to get on a roll for about two months of writing. At one point, about six weeks in, I will hit the slog, right? As I call it, where I'm going, oh, <laughs> not enjoying this. Oh, what a horrible! And then life. I get a horrible life. This tapping away for a living. 
And then at some point, which happened to me over the last week or two, I will get towards that final act mm. of the book where I'm writing the conclusion and, and getting towards that twist, which is where I'm at now, where I'm flawless and, you know, I'm excited and tapping away to get to it. Yeah. Um, to the ending. But yeah, for me, it always, the idea, the seed of the idea always starts with an end twist for me. So, so you talk about your twists, because I've seen you have been referred to as the king of the twist. Um, and yes, that did pop up in a couple of reviews. Yeah. That's not due to David's exceptional dance moves. Um, <laughs> I can testify not to the dance moves, sadly, but um, to not, the books. Yeah, wait till Christmas party. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, the, the, the world doesn't know what's coming then. Um, no, but I've read I have read a couple of David's books. I remember I read your first one, which was midday. Yes. Now, I've always pr- prided myself a little on when like watching like films where, you know, or films or TV programs where it's like a mystery and there's going to be a twist coming. Um, I can I can call it. So I think I remember yeah. the biggest one I did was I went to see was it Girl on the Train? There's that yes. film Girl on the Train came out. And I think I called mm-hmm. the twist in it, which I'm not going to spoil yeah. for any listeners who haven't watched it, even though it's a fair few years old now. I called yeah. that twist almost immediately. Right. And so when it came out, I was like, ah, there you go. That was easy. Yeah. And I remember reading Midday, and I'm not going to lie to you, David, I called that twist quite early on. So I was a bit nice. like, ah, I got you here. Like, uh. Yeah. And then I got onto Betsy Blake, um, which obviously... I've seen so many reviews and so much positive talk about. I was like, right, I'm going to get this twist because so many people said didn't yeah. see it coming, and I was like nailed on. I probably would have put the mortgage on what I thought was happening, and then bang, literally out of nowhere, your twist caught me completely off guard. That I think out loud, I said, "You bastard!" <laughs> um, <laughs> so, with that in mind, all that little um, preface there. How do you react when you stumble upon a twist? Because a twist is a really hard thing to to conjure up, I think. Yeah, it's it's more about it's more about how can I lead my readers in one direction and then pull the rug from under their feet mm. um, by the end of it. So it's I, I mean it, it's it's hard to sort of say how I come up with a twist or how it drops into my head. It's more about, yeah, it's very difficult to explain that, but it's more about how can I read my, or lead my readers in one direction. So, and the rug from under the feet moment is the idea that pops into my head, but how that happens, I'm, I'm not really sure, but I think you have to be very aware of your reader and conscious mm. of the experience they'll be having before it, it leads up to that conclusion. So, yeah, I, I always start with the end twist and then build my way up to that. How does it even begin for you? How does the writing process begin for you? Um, so I write um, like action thrillers. So yeah. I feel there's there's a relative formula to that. Um, and then it's my job to make that formula interesting and engaging. Um, yeah. So I always know, you know, there's probably going to be you know, uh, an event that will happen that will pull Sam Pope into this, um, I don't know, this situation, whether it's, you know, someone hunting him down to kill him or he's being, he's having to track down his ex-commanding officer who's, like, being accused of terrorism, something like that. Like, But I, yeah. I always know there's going to be 
you know, like most action movies, there'll be relatively early on, there'll be an action scene, there'll be a massive middle set piece, and then it will build to a like a climactic finale where, you know, everything's on the line. Um, right, yeah. Usually involving some kind of brutal hand-to-hand fight to the death with a really nice. dangerous, you know, ad- adversary. Um, yeah. However, you know, nine books in now, I've developed the character so much that, yeah, you can add little um, quirks and things like that in. But for me, this is really, really basic. And I would implore people to do this if if they really struggle to <clears throat> to uh, even know where to start. They've got an idea and they don't know where to start. I learned this in primary school. It's called the S okay. plan. So you just, Never heard you just get an A4 sheet of paper and just draw a big S on it. And at the top bit, like the where the S began, if you drew it from there, that's your start, yeah. and the end bit of the S oh, is your wow. end, and then you just do little lines off of what happens here. Oh. What happens here? Like, really, so it's like your, your arc, really. Yeah, it's really basic arc. plotting, and then you can really plot out how it starts, how the middle is, and then and how it ends. And I've got S plans. I'm happy to dig one out and stick it on um, our Instagram and in our Facebook group. Um, yeah, because my S plan ends up almost filling the entire page with writing because I'm like, yeah, line off so much. So I, I'll have like a, a, a rough idea for so like the latest Sam Pope book, the one that's coming out in December is and someone who's been in a previous book that he's wronged, puts out a bounty on his head. Right. So because it's such a high bounty, the most dangerous hit men in the world you know, all come upon the UK to try and kill Sam Pope. So I had that idea in my head. I didn't know how right. it was all going to flesh out and how it all linked together. So I started out with an S plan, lined it all off saying this happens here, this happens here, this happens here. And then I roughly bullet split that into like 30 chapters with a couple of bullet points per chapter just to drop in, introduce this character here, this person turns on this person here, etc., etc. So like I said, it's... it's very different method to how you start yours by like starting at the end yeah but it's it's a way i've found that i can productively sit down and map out a book yes yeah the thing about it is that the the plotting phase which we're talking about now and i've taught creative writing at uh, universities in coventry university and back in dublin no matter how many authors you talk to or students who are trying to write their first book, everybody approaches it differently. So it, it is almost like a fingerprint. So um, a lot of people have come to me and say, I have an idea, but I don't know how to start. And I just think it's, I think the plotting process is very important. Mm. Um, a lot of, there's this debate, isn't there, Robert, in the writing community, you're either a plotter or a, or a pantser. Yes, and a pantser is somebody who flies by the seat of their pants, which is where that name comes from. So they sort of just start writing the story and let it take them wherever it goes. Mm-hmm. And then you have plotters like me and you, Rob, who sort of plot a lot of it out before they start filling in the flesh and the blood of the story. Yeah, and so sort of really just jotting down the bones of it, really. Yeah, and I and I think it's worth saying, like, although I'll plot out roughly like 30 chapters they change like the plot points change yeah like I, i've had i've happened upon it where i've got to like i've been writing i've got to chapter 22 and then something's hit me going oh that'll be a good twist 
Like if it yeah. turns out that was what was happening all along. So then actually I've got to go back through what I've written and just tweak a certain character. So you know, there, there's hints that that person was, you know, a bastard. And it turns out he is later yeah. on in the book. So, um, but yeah, I think like I said, there's, there's two different schools of thought. I actually, um, another thing I, I did for a friend of mine who said he wanted to, he wanted to write and he struggles. He never knows how to go about it is just sit and write the first 500 words. So taking the pant, doing the pantser side of it. Yeah. So not plotting it, just sit down, just write, just start, just, start. Yeah, like, just of, write 500 words, just start. You've got the idea in your head, you don't know where to start, just start. And I think like that 500 became like 1500 yeah. um, quite quickly. So um, like I said, there's so many different ways to start, but I think you and I are both very, like we like to be prepared before we dive into to the meat of the book. Yeah, I just, I just find, I, I, I know I would never be a pantser. That's not to say I don't have respect for pantsers. I do. We all have to approach this in our own way, whatever way our brain sort of infiltrates our fingers to allow us to tap against those keys. Whatever works for you works for you. But I know I couldn't sit in front of a blank page and just start yeah. writing prose and coming up with a story idea as I'm typing. So at the very least, every time I'm sitting down to write a new chapter, there's bullet points there for each of the characters. I know what has to happen to them over the next few thousand words and where I have to take it. So the writing process is really just creating that flesh and the blood, mm. as we say, because the the skeleton was already there. But that's that's my way. It doesn't doesn't mean I have to, I preach it and teach it that way. No because everybody is different but i mean once the sort of plotting is down for you robert um what helps you stay on track and stay on focus so you, you've got some plotting down you've some bullet points you know where you're taking sam pope on this uh, adventure but what makes you stay on track to make sure you get to that eighty thousand words that you're always reaching for so i think so there's a couple of things i do like before i start writing have like a small little ritual um so you know get yourself take limit the amount of distractions you could possibly have because i think it's it's, yeah. it's really important that you actually set aside time to write like yeah like this is dedicated writing time whether that's sacrificing watching an episode of something on netflix um or um sacrificing playing video games or, or sacrificing an hour of sleep and getting up an hour early um yeah you have to have set time for it. Otherwise you just won't get around yeah. to it. Um, yeah. I found that like the first few years when I didn't rigidly set time out for myself, like I didn't really write that much. Whereas, you know, when you start setting time out, but I mean, if you can limit the amount of distractions from that time. So I do that. Like before I go for, I'll go to the toilet. <laughs> you know, I might need a little yes. bit because then I, it means it's not going to, even if I've only got half hour, I'm not yeah. going to need to dash out to the bathroom. I'll, make sure I've got a cup of tea or a, yes. a bottle of water there. So I don't have to get up to go get a drink. So it, yeah. it's things like that. Like it will keep me on focus. I have, you and I have had this chat before David that um, mm -hmm. I write, I listen to music when I write, Yes, but I don't listen to like anything with lyrics. I have a playlist on Spotify, um, which people can get. It's called Rob's writing list. Um, and it's just, film scores and um like classical music orchestral music things like that that like it just blocks out any other noise and then i can just i just get zoomed straight into my 
story in my world that I've created. Um, yeah. So uh, those are the sort of things I do to make sure I stay on track with my writing is I have set time and I make sure yeah. that time is as interference free as possible. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And the thing about it, sometimes I think way back to like Jane Austen or it, when James Joyce was writing, they had a pen and paper yeah. and and that, that was their job and they would sit down and write. Now we write on laptops and the levels of distraction are just humongous because, you know, your laptop has everything you ever need on it, right? It has all your social media, all your emails, all the websites that you hang around, uh, anything that um, can easily distract you. And it does easily distract you. You can get apps now which turn off your Wi-Fi for you and, and shut down their, your phone and your laptop as you're writing. And I think it's very important to turn off your Wi-Fi mm -hmm. at the very least once you're opening that Word document or Scrivener document. But um, I totally agree with Robert there. Dedicated writing time. You can say, right, this it's 10 o'clock now till 11 o'clock. All I'm doing is writing. That's it. I'm not being distracted. I'm not, I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm writing. So you have to give yourself dedicated time actually get the writing done i'm becoming a bit more disciplined i did have a bit of a slumpy summer with it with writing this book and i managed to get through the, the slog but i find now that i am writing in a multitude of different places so i might write at my desk i have a desk in the loft of our uh, home here mm. in birmingham i have a, a big gorgeous leather comfy couch that I can write from sometimes as well. Uh, I live in King's Heat, which has a, a massive high street, which has a multitude of coffee shops and pubs and uh, uh, Birmingham Library is also a big help to me. So I find that I'm getting more disciplined when I dedicate time to go out just to write. So I'll say, I'm going to this coffee shop for two hours. I'm going to get 2000 words done. Okay. So I'm giving myself dedicated time. And I find that the change of environment I change it up every day is a big I was just going to say that because obviously for the past five, six years, I've always just written around my job and my life. So very yeah. rarely have I written you know, away from my desk. So I was actually going to say, like, is do you find switching up your environment helps with overcoming any issues you have with getting your writing done? Yeah, it does. I just find, oh, and we set up this whole desk um, in the loft of our home. My wife also runs her own business. So we, we have two desks up there. I just feel that I'm not um, at my best at a desk for some reason. I don't know whether it seems a bit formal to me or whatever, but I, I think I'm more productive when I'm out in a coffee shop. Okay. And, and that's dedicated time to write. And I have over this last book, um, which is an ode to you, Robert, I have started listening to some classical music yes. whilst writing, just to block out the noise of the cafe. And they normally have bloody speakers on, yeah. you know, <laughs> anyway, the cafe, um, showing out some pop music. So I just, yeah, I get lost in some acoustic piano or acoustic guitar. Again, like you, no lyrics. Um, and it, it really works for me. It, it gives me that the time to just tune out and, and stick to the Scrivener document. Amazing. Um, do you have any, I have like pieces of music now 
that I can only associate with um, Sam Pope. And every now and then I will hear them on TV or like a film or something. And I'll be like, this doesn't go here. This is Sam Pope's music. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. And I turn it up then for... You know, it went, what, now I'm getting to the conclusion of the book and it's getting a bit dramatic. I'm, you know, the the, the symphony is, 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 is getting louder. Mm. The crescendo is there. So I'm listening to high dramatic orchestral music to, uh, to get me into the mood for this sort of conclusion. Yeah. Um, so we, we've, we've just discussed there like things that uh, we do to help us start writing, keep us on track. Um, what part of this whole writing process like writing a book is awesome like it's so much fun like i love it but yeah what part do you struggle with um and i guess probably more importantly for our listeners is how how do you get past those struggles i, I guess my struggle through the whole process is that middle act mm which is the part I've just been talking about, which is getting out to the coffee shops and, and writing the the, the, uh, lit- the literal writing part of it, you know, filling in the, uh, to continue the metaphor, the, the blood and, and the flesh. I'm really good at creating the bones. Mm. Uh, and I'm really good at, or I really enjoy the ending part. There's just something about writing that middle act where I'm about, 30 or 40,000 words in halfway through where I'm just going, Oh, when am I ever going to finish this? Or how am I going to get through this? And even though I'm a good, I'm good at plotting, I can still find myself, tie myself up in, in a bit of a plot hole and I have to dig myself out of it. But I guess that's the only part of the process of the actual writing process that I don't enjoy. Do you, do you think that's like a psychological thing? Like if you go for a run or something like it doesn't matter how far you're planning, like 3K, 5K, 10K, whatever, you could be doing a marathon. But it's always the halfway point. Like my, Probably most people yeah. like run with an app that you know you put in your desired yeah. distance. Usually when I go for a run and it pings saying, you are halfway through, I always just think, regardless of how far it's going, I always think, oh, come on, only halfway. Like, do you think it's that <laughs> yeah. psychological thing? I do think it's a psychological thing. I also think that... It, it bothered me it, 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 when I went full time that I was still, it was still taking me four or five months to write a book because mm. that's how long it took me while I was a journalist and, and when I was teaching. So when I went full time, I assumed, oh, well, now I'm going to write a book every couple of months. But I just, it started to really irritate me then when it, while it was still taking four or five months. And I sort of just realized and, and sort of, I've had to learn to live with the fact that it, it takes me four or five months. It takes four or five months for the, the story to come out of my head and through my fingertips and onto that page. And I just have to live with that. Hmm. That's that's the way a, a book comes out of my brain. Um, and But still, for whatever reason, at about 40,000 words in, I feel a little bit jaded and fatigued by the process and I get a little bit grumpy about it. And then I overcome a hump and then I, I race towards the end, which mm. is the, the part I'm at now. What, what about you, actually, Bob? What's is there a part of the process you struggle with? Because it takes you a bit quicker than four or five months to write a book, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I it's not like about. I, I very rarely. I don't think I've ever really been hit with like a writer's block or something like. That. Like I've always got a very clear yeah. idea. Um, but mm-hmm. unlike you, 
I actually struggle more with the, I'd say the first third of the book. Um, and I think right. that's maybe just like a genre thing, because if you think of like any sort of action film or any action novel, it builds and builds and builds and builds. Um, so usually like my thing is, oh, I've got to introduce all these characters. I've got to move all the pieces into play, do all that. And then it just escalates and escalates and gets more exciting and more exciting. Um, I mean, we touched on it earlier, like I'm a stickler for a YouTube rabbit hole. Um, so it's so easy. Um, I mean, there's, you can put as many videos of Gordon Ramsay yelling at customers in front of me and I will watch it (laughs) all day. Um, I mean, the other day I started watching clips from punked. Do you remember that TV show? Oh yeah. Yes. yes. Why? I don't know. It just happened. It came up. I was like, Oh, I remember that. So, um, I do disconnect the internet. Um, yeah, I'd highly recommend that. Um, the other one that so now I'm, I've been speaking about it recently over the last week. So I've been doing all this stuff about um, admin and getting on top of all of the admin because I, I'm i very much one of those people who I can get distracted if I know I've got too much to do. Um, so I, I know I haven't done this. I haven't done this. I haven't done this in the back of my head. So then when I'm sitting there and I've got some time and it's like, okay, it's writing time. But at the same time, I know I haven't done X, Y, and Z which I should have done by now, whether that's updating yeah. my sheet for my accountant or responding to emails or, um, you know, marketing, marketing, yeah, yeah, checking out my ads, setting this up. So I, I, I then make sure I've got set time for that. So I don't sit down and I'd probably do that first. And then so I can sit down and write with a clear head. Yeah, but have that dedicated writing time. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I've made such a, you know, I've been beating it with a stick since we started this podcast about how I'm getting on top of all of my admin because yeah, yeah. it's not because I'm a goody two shoes. It's a, uh, it's because it will, yeah. it will impact my ability to clear my head and, and basically get my words down. Exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting. We, we both, I guess we're both plotters, but we both agree that a writer can come at it from every, any angle they want to, whatever helps them. But, yeah, we're both sticklers for saying give yourself dedicated writing time. Yeah, it's a must, isn't it? So if you if you have a full time job, you're working in the office nine to five, and you think, well, before I go to bed between nine and ten tonight, I'm going to write. That's great. Give yourself that hour to write. Yeah, make sure you do it, and make sure you do it. Yeah, and it's just you and the blank page, the word document, the Scrivener document, or whatever it is. Your Wi-Fi is off. It's dedicated writing time. It's not procrastinating time. It's dedicated writing time, right. which is probably as good a tip as we can get give you. Um, is there any other tips you give for somebody? Because we, we will have listeners who probably have written books. Mm. They've probably already published. They've probably published with a publisher. They're probably indie publishing. Or we may have somebody who has dreams of writing a book. What, what sort of tips can you pass on to our listeners? Apart from that making you know dedicated time for it and you know making sure you've had a wee wee before you start yeah um tip number one tip number one always have a wee wee before you start um (laughs) so one one thing that's really helped me really really helped me is i book my editor my awesome editor i've shouted out before emma um i book her in way before i've even finished i could be on chapter four of 30 and i'll book her in for like a couple of months time Yes, because yeah. if I don't have if I have my own deadline, I can move it. 
you know, I, I, I can, it's up to me, isn't it? I set my own deadlines. However, if I, if I can yeah. book in time with an editor who I know is busy and has other people, if I, don't, if I don't hit that deadline, there's a chance she might not be available for another six, seven weeks. So yeah. then that's going to delay me releasing a book. So, and, and I don't want to muck somebody else about. Um, yeah. So I find that's a pretty good tip is knowing that I'm actually working to somebody else's deadline as well. Yeah, for discipline, that's a great mm. tip. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I do something similar. I don't, I don't book my editor in, but I do. Uh, when I'm starting out the book, I reach out to my book cover designer and I have them design the cover. It gives me, it gives me almost like a, a light at the end of the tunnel, mm. if that makes sense. I, I see it. Oh, yeah. I can see the whole package and how it looks, and it, it sort of it helps me, gives me a good push towards the, the finishing line. Yeah. See, so if you can get your cover done before you finish the book. It, it's a real, like a kick up the backside. Uh, it's when yeah. you share it with uh, people on social media and get them excited. That can be a real, yeah. like just push you further just to get it finished. So, yeah, it can indeed. And in terms of writing, if people are struggling to get a book finished, um, I, I genuinely recommend knowing your ending hmm. early. I know it doesn't work for everybody, but if you're struggling, if you know the ending, that is the light at the end of your tunnel. And that's where you're, you're constantly focused. And it's a really, really big help. So so that's really a tip for those who are maybe starting out and, and dream of writing a book, but can't seem to discipline themselves to do it. Know your ending, and that gives you that big light at the end of the tunnel to aim for. To in the authors. Right. So, David, mailbag. Um, yes, this week's mailbag. Let's go. So, um, I've paraphrased this one again because it was quite wordy, um, <laughs> but it was all around um, trying to change like a well-known formula. So, I'm going to pose this question to you: um, If you write to market, how can you stand out from the crowd? If you write to market, yeah. As in, so if you're writing a specific genre to hit a, a particular market how can you stand out from the crowd yes. oh yeah i get the question now um i guess branding yeah is very important um and, and branding isn't your book covers or anything it, it's it's who you are as an author and, and and how you put yourself out there because let's face it the days of you know not liaising with your audience or your readers is that's gone now. Mm -hmm. we, we sort of have to keep up appearances. We have to have social media accounts. We have to be accessible to our readers. That's that's the way modern life is, modern businesses. And that's just not just um authoring. My wife runs her own business. She has to be personal. You can see this on the shelves of supermarkets nowadays. It, the branding of consumer goods almost has a story to it a personal story to it yeah and i think if you make yourself accessible that's part of your brand mm -hmm. so how can you do that so um i created this moniker the open author because i wanted to really embrace that and and open myself up to my readers and other authors that they could approach me and ask me any questions and um, so that's part of my brand and that brand alone has helped me sell books as much as the great reviews i've had it's such a big selling point for me the fact that i have this brand it, it sets me out from the crowd and the amount of books i sell from consumers seeing my ads on facebook and going 
oh, I'm really impressed by the author answering everybody's questions here. I'm going to buy this book. Yeah. That happens almost every day. I'll get a, 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 a message like that. So I get a sale simply because I'm being open and accessible to my readers. So yes, you might be writing a genre that you think has been done a lot before, but if that genre has been done before, it's been done before for a reason because it sells. So don't put, don't let that put you off, but just think of how you can be a bit more distinct in your own branding to help sell those books. What about you, Rob? I mean, you've very succinctly put it there. Um, <laughs> so I thought this, this question kind of appeals to me because obviously I write in a very, very overpopulated genre, um, but I sell books in it. So for me, yeah. I would say there's actually that you've hit a nail on the head with the branding because there's actually no need to reinvent the wheel with regards to the genre itself. So this person was saying, like, I wanted to take these parts of what people expect, but then I wanted to do this, this. Do you think that would work? And it's more along the lines of, like, you don't have to copy stuff like for like. Um, but unfortunately, the way the world is, let's say unfortunately, it's just the way the world is. If If people going into something expecting it to be a certain way, they're more likely to come back to you if their expectations are met. Um, so like, you know, I'm going ne next week, I'm going with my best mate to go see the new, was it Black Adam film? The one with The Rock? Yeah. You know, I'm, to be perfectly honest, I've got a bit poof, with all the Marvel and DC films over the last couple of years. However, I'm not going into that. You know, this is a big, massive CGI filled film about The Rock as a super god, almost. I'm not going into that expecting it to you know make me feel like i felt when i watched the green mile so yeah i know what to expect from that that's why i'm going um so yeah. i'd say as long as you know your key part of it as long as your branding is good and i think you know can't um emphasize how much it needs to look professional as well yeah um for people to take it seriously to like a level of yeah. proper investment um so uh, yeah, we're going to have to do a whole talking point on branding alone, yeah. which encompasses your book covers and how you appear online. It's it's the most important aspect aside from your your pros yeah. and your branding really is absolutely the case. But at the same time, you need to remember if you're reaching out to an audience that so for me, I'm reaching out to an audience that says they like action thrillers, they like action heroes, they like Jack Reacher, they like Mitch Rapp, like they like all these things. They've told, you know, they, they've made it clear that's what they like. So if I'm yeah. targeting them and I'm paying money to target those people, I can't, I shouldn't be offering them something completely different, different. because Absolutely. they won't like it. So yeah. I'd say, by all means, put your spin on stuff. You know, don't copy yeah. like for like, make it, you know, do it in your voice, make your character stand out by having certain other traits or whatever, but I'd say yeah. not reinventing the wheel is the way to go and making sure, like you said, it's professionally branded and people can can buy into you as much as the books, I think is the yeah. best way to handle that. Absolutely. And whoever asked that question, you're, it's not wrong that you are entering a saturated market. As I said, the market is saturated for reasons because the, the consumer is there. For it so don't let that put you off just give it your own spin and your own voice as robert said 
and your branding is what will sell that is what will help you stand out from the crowd so i hope we've answered that mailbag question as um as much as we can I, I should say at this point if you have a question that you would like to ask me and robert for this mailbag section just hit us up on our facebook group two in the authors Okay, perfect. Right. We are going to move on to our seven questions uh, section of the podcast now. And I am delighted to say we are joined by international best-selling author A.P. Bateman. Um, the A in A.P. Bateman obviously stands for Anthony. So I'm going to say hello, Anthony. How are you? Hi, Rob. Okay. Yeah, really good. Thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, the purpose of this section is we do it once every week uh, with a different independent author where we pose the same seven questions um, just so we can hear another take, another view um, from a different authors and their journeys uh, to hopefully give our listeners just a real rounded um, view on the world of self-publishing. So um, before we jump into the questions, um, do you want to introduce yourself properly to our listeners and tell them a bit about your books? Yep. Um, I write under A.P. Bateman um, and I write uh, thrillers, espionage thrillers. Um, I worked years ago as a bodyguard. Um, I did armed um, bodyguard work around the world. And um, there was lots of time sitting down in, you know, and, and thinking about, um well really what what else to do because there was lots of downtime and I started writing and and used sort of some scenarios and people I met to um create characters and and took it from there really um I've had a, a lot of different careers and um been writing alongside you know the career and and basically the last three and a half years I've been now being full-time writer now so um which has always been my dream and um I've just hit half a million copies sold. So um, that's sort of a real landmark. Um, yeah, so that's that's me, really. Wow, half a million copies. That's unbelievable. And also the most dangerous author that we've ever, <laughs> we're probably <laughs> likely to speak to. Um, but it's fascinating because it's, you know, the different walks of life people people come from um, can all link in, you know, lead into the knowledge you can put into your books right that's right yeah i mean i I, i've had several careers i I was in catering as a chef you know so i can't sometimes get carried away writing especially if i feel hungry when i'm writing so i'll (laughs) put gastronomic wonderful as a cookbook and have to sort of really edit it out um yeah and just just different different things and i get a lot of inspiration as well from holidays and that sort of thing and places we've been and and just want to write about it really and put it into a book Amazing. Um, well, thank you. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump straight into the questions. So our first question, you've already sort of answered there, which is, are you a full-time author? Yeah. Um, so as a follow-on question, would you be able to walk us through uh, your working week as a full-time author? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not very, um, I'm not sort of regimented. Um I'll I'll go out in the morning and have a, a walk with the dogs, and as I'm on that, I'll, I'll use that sort of um, space in my head to sort of plan out what I'm going to write, and then I'll I'll generally write um, 
in sort of two hour sort of sessions. So I do a couple hours and then then have half an hour break. And, and I, it may just be something inane, like tidying up around the house or the garden or something like that. Um, and then I'll get back to writing. So I generally have three of those sessions a day. So I try and write at least sort of, if I can, sort of six hours a day. Um, some days are productive, some days aren't. Some days are just a thousand words, other days um about three thousand i've never really done more than three three thousand a day i heard in your podcast you did is it twenty twenty five thousand in a week or was it the, to finish your book but yeah but that was like my, my first week you know it's like yeah. it's like oh, <laughs> really, really get a new toy yeah, at christmas and you play with, with it. it yeah you, you yeah, get a new yeah. toy at christmas and you just play with it all week yeah, and, right. it, and then it drops down the uh the pecking order i think that might be the case with that yeah, well, yeah, about 3,000 words a day is about my, my limit, I think. Um, but I do that pretty much seven days a week until I finish the book. I don't, you know, I'll, I'll just find the time in, in the week and just keep going. Um, and then there's, you know, as an indie author, there's lots of admin to do, lots of, you know, I say paperwork, but, you know, it might just be sort of tracking sales, tracking pages read, Um you, you do something like a book bub deal and, and you're just trying to work out how effective it was you know it, they cover the costs but I do notice sort of a week or so later than there's a spike in sales hmm. um, so it's just sort of seeing if that works and then checking Facebook adverts and and then really just losing yourself on um, on, on Facebook you, you go and check an advert and about an hour later you realize you've done no work and you you're looking at cats or something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> funny you say that. I've always, we mentioned earlier um, on the podcast, we were talking about what 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 possible things can distract you from from work. And I said I'm I'm a stickler for a, a tumble down a YouTube rabbit hole. So yeah, you're, you're not alone yeah. on that one. And you <laughs> and you can use hours. I heard I heard Lee Child writes um, or when he was writing would write on a device with no internet. Yeah. And then he'd go to the other side of the room and do his research. Hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, and I'll do that. I'll, I'll use the internet for research and then suddenly you, you're doing a Sainsbury's shop. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you'd like focus, got to, got to focus, but yeah, yeah. Perfect. Okay, um, so question two, um, are you wide or exclusive? Uh, I'm exclusive to Amazon. Mm-hmm. I have been wide. Um, when I started, um, I started in 2015 with the indie route. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been published before, um, but it was in 1999, and um, it it was quite. A, 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 I will just put say the story. It's um, I used my my name Anthony Bateman and. Uh, there's a, an American psychoanalysis author. Um, he, he's written a lot of psychiatry books, psychology books. And um, I think most of my sales were accredited to him. I think people <laughs> bought my book, um, and this is before sort of ebooks, Amazon, that sort of thing. Um, and so I had a, a, a real huge run of sales. I, I think 20,000 copies for the first paperback. Oh, wow. and, um, and then it just filtered down that. Um, no one really intentionally bought me. They thought they were buying his book. <laughs> so really, I had a, a that publishing and writing career, and with with a publisher disappeared. And and then I sort of carried on writing, looking for agents, that sort of thing. And I, I did did have a few agents and a few meetings with some large publishers, but nothing really came off. 
And I then got um, rehashed it all into the try this indie sort of thing and try um, KDP. And uh, and that really worked. You know, it really, really worked. It was doing, um, you know, it, I say it worked. It didn't work for the first year. The first year had abysmal sales and I had nothing to compare it to. Mm. And it was the sort of launch of, of my indie career. And I, I tallied up and I... In that first year, I had 24 sales. Um, and I didn't realize that just how bad that was, you know, 24 sales. Um, but I still kept going, you know, got another book out and everything and, and started then to approach it as a business with a, um, I looked and found a good cover designer and I had the, the initial book redesigned and it was a cover I designed and I thought it looked all right, but uh, I'm not a cover designer. Um, and then... You know, I had my second book come out with a matching cover and really just all through organic sales, it started taking off. And I went to the next year was, uh, I think it was nearly 12,000 copies with those wow. two books. So from 24 copies and yeah. writing as a hobby, it was still a hobby at, at 12,000 copies, but it was, a, it was looking in the right direction. Um, and I was wide with, with everything. So I was on the lower royalty, yeah. um, which Amazon really pull you into. And um, lower royalty, uh, but I found with all the other places like Kobo and Smashwords and, you know, I wasn't really selling any copies at all, you know, and it was all going through Amazon. So I thought, well, just as well, take it off the other, uh, the other platforms and um, switch around for the better royalty rate and go with Amazon. And yeah. then really I haven't looked back with it. Um, I did try an experiment. Um, putting one book, pulling one book out of um, exclusive and going going wide, and it just didn't work again. So, for me, I've just you know I've tried tried exclusive, I tried wide, and and I'll just stay exclusive to Amazon for a minute. It's yeah. uh, they do pull you in with better better royalties. That ends the thing, and of course with pages read. Yeah, of course. So the KU, I, I find that's that's equal to the sales. So I, I earn as much if someone borrows the book as if they bought it. And I, it's about 50% of my income is from KU. So yeah, and that's a size I don't think I'd drop that now to yeah. experiment again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, David and I both answered the question pretty much exactly the same. Is that <laughs> try, tried wide, found it was more going through Amazon and then st- stuck with Amazon. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's a very common theme. Um, so question three, name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. Uh, I was quite kind of late into the game with this and I did it last year. Um, and um, I kind of use, you, it, it's Vellum. It only works mm-hmm. on, on on Apple, on the, on the, on the Mac, um, or did when I subscribed to it. And, and my my laptop had just broken. I thought, you know, I'm going to just bite the bullet, spend a lot more on a laptop and buy a MacBook. And with the sole reason of, of getting Valum, because I'd seen the demos on it. And once I got into it, it's absolutely saves me so much time on formatting. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I, I was, I'm all self-taught with computers. I've never used them for my jobs or anything like that before, but I found that, you know the 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 actual formatting process was really difficult on Microsoft, and I could have um, when I turned a, a manuscript into uh, 
um, the paperback. I could have gaps at the end. I could have, you know, it just looked wrong. Yeah. It didn't look very good. Um, and you could end up uh, having, oh, I'd have days and days trying to format. And with vellum, it's just done in a, in a couple hours. I'm, I'm done. I've got a perfect paperback and a perfect uh, ebook. And when you upload and then actually go, everything you see is, is as it is, as it was on vellum. And I found that I'd upload and I'd have like a page missing and there was no indication of having a page missing or, yeah. But vellum is definitely a, a game changer for me. Yeah, I echo that 100%. Yeah. Um, so uh, question four, I think you've touched on it slightly. Um, just how do you market your books? Can you give us a, an overview on how you market your books? Uh, I, I've done a few things. I have um, a mailing list. Uh, now I got about, I think it's about twelve thousand on the mailing list. Wow, um, that's taken a long time and and some money to build as well because I've I've offered like a, a you know a free book into the the thing. But you know you you do get a lot of signups, but you get a lot of signups from people that only ever want to have a free book. So when you you know tell those twelve thousand people you've got a new book coming out and it's at a good launch price of say 199 or something like that. The response is, you know, a lot lower than 12,000. It's probably in the hundreds, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is that sort of, um, that sort of, you know, mailing list marketing, uh, Facebook ads I have running, um, now probably about a hundred pounds a day on Facebook. Um, and I built that up from side. I think I've, I started about 10 pounds a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they, they, they're very success, you know, some, some do better than others, but yeah, I find that's a, just a, a nice amount to keep going with the Facebook. Um, and then really I do local, some book signings and whenever I have a book, I get onto the local radio with, because local angles always quite good. People like that. So I know if I set a book somewhere, I'll try and get on that local radio station as well. And, you know, try so you can end up sort of, I don't know, in Cumbria or something on a on a local radio or something like that. So there's that, and um, and then Facebook pages. Um, I don't really have any success with Instagram. Um, I can't seem to get many followers or, or that sort of thing. Um, but I'm not Instagram minded really. Nah. No, I I don't. You know, post on it too much. So that's probably why I don't get anything. <laughs> you know, and I think you know probably not slim enough and good looking enough for like people to really sort of think oh yeah I'll buy his book but yeah I don't, uh, I, I don't know I, I'm not I mean there, there will be people out there who have used Instagram as a really profitable marketing tool but it's it's not one that I put in my list of no. areas that I focus on either so but it's really interesting about the um going like local radio stations and things like that like pulling in the local element I've not heard that before yeah, it's um, well, yeah, it. it I, I've always done it for like um, just local radio because mm. local radio are quite happy to have an author on and have a chat, and they've all been really good. Um, and uh, but then I, th- I did think, you know, well, the book has got scenes in Norfolk, say, or you know, or up in the Lake District or something like that, and it's sort of another angle to go for. It's just maybe you can pull in a few people as well. Mm. Um, I see a spike with um of maybe sort of 40, 50 books, you know, with each sort of radio 
um, sort of interview or something like that. So it's just nice. But then that I always look at that, that, you know, I've got 15 books in my series. Yeah. Four books in the other series. You always hope that well, if, if that spike goes on, people carry on and buying the other books, you know. It's all about read-through, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's a good good tip there for our, our listeners. Uh, get on local radio stations for yep. areas you're writing in. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Uh, question number five. What's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? Um, any measure of success only comes from hard work and I think there are obviously the lucky few and you do see some people that have a I don't know got two books out and they're killing it in the charts and good luck to them but for most people and that's like I would imagine 90% of authors you're only going to get it if you just keep writing Mm -hmm. and you've got to keep writing The, the first few books might not be at all successful hopefully though you just love writing and that's what you like to do so you just enjoy writing. You know, you, I think the thing is not to think you're going to get rich from it um, and not to, you know, just, just aim for enjoying writing. You know, and once you've got more books, if the writing's good, the books should sell. Um, alongside, you, covers are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, my first book sold 24 copies in a year. You know, it just had a, a, a really poor cover now looking at it. Um, and a professional cover service and editing and proofreading and, and, and that, like early reviews of mine, you know, so talk about bad grammatical errors and things. And they did, they did, you know, I did for the first couple of books, I suppose I used readers as a, as proofreaders. And when things came back from, from KDP, I was out there quickly changing it and uh-huh. making sure, and then I reread it and I would find mistakes, but that's a lot less and less now. Um, so really, you know, you've got to look at it as a as a real business. You know, you've got to get a good cover. You've got to get it edited, proofread, um, and then just keep writing. Because without four or five books in a series, most people won't buy y- your book. You know, they like to know that they can keep keep reading it if they enjoyed it. So, yeah. Perfect. Um, okay, so question six. What's the biggest frustration for you as an indie author? Uh, there's oh yeah there's loads um <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with <laughs> give me your best one <laughs> stick with number one even, even family can think you're not a proper author mm. um because you're not got a publisher and um and you think oh yeah but you know you, they can watch you sort of you know you, you're making it you're living you're earning you're obviously doing well enough to sort of keep paying the bills and that so you know, but generally most people, when you say you're an indie author, they'll they'll look at you like you're not a proper author. And I think really it's just a, the period of time, all the classic authors were self-published, all of them. They published their books, they they did it. We, we look at, we buy albums from Ed Sheeran and God knows who else, but they own they own the production companies, they record their own music, they own their own labels. So they're self-published singers, you know, self-composed singers. Like, you know, um, you can't watch a film now with like out the, the, the actor in the film owning the production company behind it. You know, so they, they are like Gerard Butler and Tom Cruise. They, they only appear in the films they own the publishing company, the, the production companies for. And, um, 
you know, they, they have that sort of marketability and they, they invest in it. So I really think, you know, to be judged, you know, as a serious author, whether you have a publisher or not, it's just so outdated now. And yeah. I know we all know some self-published authors that absolutely killed it. Absolutely. And their figures, their rankings, everything, they speak far higher than, than many of these big five published authors. Yeah. You know, I couldn't agree more. And, and we all know who they are. You know, they're, they're really doing so well, you know? Yeah. So move on. Final question. And um, then you are done. I'll, I'll stop right. grilling you. Um, <laughs> what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? Um, right just just believe in yourself and accept criticism but accept criticism from someone qualified to be a critic don't listen to so many people who just think they've got an opinion because opinions everything now people cannot keep their mouth shut they need their opinion Um, if you get into this game and, and or if you're doing this and you you sell more books and you're on Facebook and things like that. And I learned from bitter experience. People will want to be negative. Mm-hmm. Don't engage with them at all. Don't justify yourself to them and learn where the hide button is on their comment. Because if you block them, they'll stalk you and you'll see all your books reviewed with one star. <laughs> um, if, you, if, you, if you answer them back, generally, especially if you answer, answer them, reply to them in the heat of the moment, then you can just look really petty. So learn where the hide button is on their comment and don't waste any time thinking about it for the rest of your day. And yeah, I think we've all looked at comments and critics and ratings and reviews and comments on Facebook and it's just, you know, just ignore it phenomenally sage advice there yeah. <laughs> um, i think that's especially um i mean i i mirror everything you say i mean i just delete comments as soon as i see see anyone saying anything about um on on stuff i pay for they get deleted out if someone has a genuine gripe with something i'll you know i'll engage with them like over email if they've got an issue with the book or yeah. something like that but i agree with you i think especially because you've written a book and you've put you poured your heart and soul into it someone immediately dismisses it or you know says a shit yeah. or whatever straight off the bat and you're just like yeah. it can hit hard and i think you're yeah. right the sooner you can get around like the whole thing people just have opinions and most people want to be negative it's yeah. really good advice for our listeners so thank you very much there is there is one thing on on there as well don't be the author who promotes their book on someone's paid for Facebook ad. Oh, yes. I get those all the time. You're paying a hundred pounds a day out to Facebook and someone's like, click the link and then they put their book there and you just think, oh, yeah. If you, you like, know, if you like this type of book, you'll love mine. Yeah. It's like, get your yeah. own ad. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. And there's quite a, yeah. I've, it's so... I, got a, I got into a spat with someone the other day for it. And I just thought, yeah, you know, don't, don't do it. No, and 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 also if they do it to you, just hide it. Just hide that. Don't don't let them. I block them. <laughs> I block them. They're coming nowhere near my yeah. efforts. <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you. That's really, really, really good advice. And um, that's all seven of our questions done. So thank you right. uh, for your very insightful answers. It's been really, really useful. Um, not too much waffle, but there you go. No, it's all good. Um, <laughs> before before we go, I am aware you have a new book coming soon. Is that right? 
I do, yeah. It's called Sovereign Power, and it's out at the end of November. And it's um, another Alex King thriller. I think it's, it's book 16. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Perfect. Um, is that available to pre-order now? or It is available on pre-order, yeah. Sovereign Power, AP Bateman. Fantastic. And if if um, people want to find you on social media, where would they be able to find you? Uh, just um, AP Bateman author on Facebook or www.apbateman.com for my website. Fantastic. So um, our listeners should definitely check you out. Um, I've read some of your books. They are awesome. I can attest that. And I'm not just saying that because Anthony is a ex armed trained bodyguard who (laughs) is the scariest man I've ever interviewed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, um, thank you so much for, for joining us, Anthony, and I will speak to you soon, hopefully. Brilliant. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, really interesting, um, your interview there, Robert, with AP. It's uh, One thing with AP for me sticks out from his, his um, you mentioned this earlier on the show, his branding is phenomenal. Mm, you really you know an AP Bateman book when you look at it, and he's, he's doing a really great job for himself. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's such a nice guy as well. Um, yeah. And it's, again, it's, it's, for me, someone who's you know three weeks into their journey, it's inspiring to speak to people who've been doing it for years, um, and had such like consistent success as well. Um, yeah. But again, I just think it's the type of insight and feeling we're going to get every time we speak to a fellow indie author and hear their you know their journey to where they've got to. Absolutely, and we don't have to hear from authors who have been mega successful and are bringing in six figures a year they don't have to have 10 books out you could be sort of a couple of books into your author career and and trying to find your feet we, we would love to hear from you we want to feature all sorts of authors at, at any stage of the career uh, and post these seven questions to them so if you fancy taking part you can apply for seven questions uh the sheet is on our facebook group is that right robert yep there's a uh, sheet a google sheet pinned to the top of our facebook group uh where we just ask just a few um just a few questions just so we can understand where you are um with your indie author journey get a flavor for the books you have and then uh, once you fill that out um we will be in touch brilliant Okay, so before we finish the recording of episode three, Robert, tell us what what's what you got on over the next seven days till we talk again. Um, I, I'm starting NaNoWriMo next week. Oh yes, November starts next week. Summer, yes, yeah, somehow we're into November for this year, which makes me feel sick. Um, That's crazy. But I've set up my profile. I've I've plotted out Sam Pope ten. Um, so I'm going to hit the ground running oh, next nice. week, and I will post progress pictures of how I'm getting on, on our Instagram and our Facebook page. Brilliant. Yeah. I'm hoping when we talk next Thursday, we t- we record this on a Thursday, it drops on a Monday. I'm hoping when I talk to you again, Robert, I will have finished the first draft of this book. It will then be a case of redrafting it for me. And I'm not sure, fingers crossed, I may have heard back from those producers as well. That'd be good. By the time we talk to you then. I um I hope you do finish your book because then I can return your TV privileges to you. Yes, yes. <laughs> Back to the Netflixing and chilling. Yes. 
All right, cool. Sounds good. Right. All right, buddy. So if listeners want to reach out to you, they can find you on... You can find me on Instagram, uh, Rob Enright Author, or find my Robert Enright Facebook um, page, um, and you can find me there. And you? Yeah. Uh, I'm David B. Lyons on Facebook, or you can hit my website up, which is theopenauthor.com. Perfect. Right, well, I'm uh, I'm going to leave you to it, and I will speak to you next week, David. See you then, buddy. Bye.